Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and, of course, David Hobbs Honda. And I'm chatting with Larry Fullhurst, administrator of the, what is it, the Can Am History Facebook group. As well as you also have other interests and activities within the world of racing, especially on the vintage side. And you or I have a, a similar passion, and that is the, the late, great Can-Am series that ran from 1966 to 1974. And, uh, of course, we're having a reunion coming up at Road America once again. The, is it 42nd, I think, right? No, 52nd. Okay. Or is it the fiftieth anniversary of the nineteen sixty eight season? Okay, let's do that. That's much. That's much. That's a cleaner way of saying it. So, and um, it's a fantastic series. Uh, and the best thing about it was the lack of rules, I guess. And uh, why, 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 don't, why don't we go over that with the uh, the genesis of the series back in sixty six and how it got started? Okay. Um, they had a series of pro races on the west coast. Uh, Kent Washington, Laguna Seca, and Riverside. And Riverside had the biggest purse because of uh, L.A. Times newspaper sponsoring it. And all of a sudden, it got to the point where there was an opportunity to do something special in the fall in between the U.S. Grand Prix and the Mexican Grand Prix because you had all the Formula One drivers over here. Um, So... They got an FIA sanction, so there wasn't conflicts with mm-hmm. Formula One races. And that first year, they put together six races. And uh, uh, John Surtees won the first year. And uh, I think his total prize money at that point for the year was like 40000 which was unheard of in Formula One terms. And that got the attention of a lot of European teams. The first Can-Am I ever went to was the first one at Road America, which was 1967. I'd never been to a race in person. Went up to that race, kind of knew about the Chaparrales and and Mark Donahue and uh, and Dan Gurney and John Surtees, but I didn't know anything about these two orange cars that showed up, which were the McLarens, because the previous year they were red, Mm -hmm. and they both were on the front row, and they just ran away and hid. But as a a 16-year-old standing along the snow fence at turn five, and hearing 35 Can-Am cars fire up on the pre-grid, and you're not even close to the pre-grid, and then when they came screaming into turn uh, five, I'll never forget that. You know, and, and that was before there was a concrete wall and a chain-link fence. We felt like we were super happy behind the snow fence. <laughs> you know, as amateur photographers, we could shoot just perfectly, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and that race was, it was, it was just amazing. You know, I, I heard crowd estimates of 50,000 people at that race, you know, and that was when it was all two-lane highways coming up there instead of the interstate. Uh, so that, that hooked me. So I came back to Road America in 68 and 69. I missed 70 because of college. I was there 71, 72, and 73. 
the last race, 74, I missed because I was racing my showroom stock 914 at Blackhawk Farms oh, the okay. same weekend. And I never thought that, well, that's going to be the last Can-Am. And I, we had a shortage of corner workers at Blackhawk because everybody was at the Can-Am race. <laughs> so drivers that weren't racing had to, had to be corner workers in between the races. So I, I love the Can-Am because the rules were simply you had to have a passenger, you had to have bodywork that covered all the uh, the tires. Um, after the first year, they put in a regulation that you had to have at least a 2.5-liter engine because the first year, some guys actually ran Dino Ferraris and, mm-hmm. and Porsche 906s. So they wanted just big cars. And then after that, you know, that 67 season, it was like, no, small blocks aren't the way to go. If you don't have a big block, you're, you're, you're in, out of the hunt. And those aluminum 427 Chevys were the dominant motor uh, in uh, 68, 69, 70, 71. And then all of a sudden, in 72, Roger Penske got the contract from Porsche. And the rumor was he was going to turbocharge a flat 12-cylinder Le Mans engine. And, uh, and at that point, everybody was cheering for anybody but McLaren to win. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and that was the year that... I pretty much decided I wanted to buy a 914 when I saw the Turbo 917 on the street. I can't afford a Can-Am car, but I'll buy a 914, you know. So, uh, and then seeing those cars, I mean, I saw George Falmer win in the rain at Mid-Ohio in 72 when he started the race on slicks and kept waiting for Roger to wave him in for a tire change. And Roger didn't bring them in. Can you imagine driving a 900 horsepower right. turbocharged engine on slicks in the rain? Uh, he spun once, but he still won the race. Yeah. So it's uh, the old uh, egg underneath the uh, accelerator, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. The guys that had the normally aspirated cars actually, Jackie Oliver came in second with a shadow, and that was one of their first finishes that year. And uh, I remember talking to Peter Bryant years later and saying, I remember being in the traffic jam coming into the track and all of a sudden I saw a police car in my rearview mirror and I thought, I know I wasn't speeding. And I pull over and it was a police escort bringing the shadow from downtown Mansfield that they didn't have time to load it on the transporter. So this crew member got to drive it to the track and went across the railroad tracks and I go, that car will never finish. Well, he finished second. What Peter Bryant told me was they broke a rear sway bar mount on the way out to the track, and he says, I didn't have time to fix it, and it actually was the advantage to Jackie Oliver not to have a sway bar hooked up yep. in that race. You know, So that was a spectacular race. And it it's interesting because what you brought up earlier about the, the money, a lot of the Formula One drivers loved racing in it because they could make more money in a Can-Am race than they could race a Formula One. It seems so unbelievable today, especially with all the money in Formula One in it, that here is these these poor, in quotes, uh, Formula One drivers loved coming over to America in the, in the later, because Can-Am, the Can-Am usually ran later in the season, and that's where they will, they could make their money. The only way I ever got to see Formula One drivers was in the Can-Am, because I didn't make it to Watkins Glen until 1976. But I saw Bruce McLaren, Denny Hulme, Joe Bonnier, Joe Sifford, 
uh, Vic Elford. All these guys were Formula One drivers, and, and the money attracted them to come over here. John Surtees, obviously, mm-hmm. a, a, another person. And uh, that was a big deal, you know. And, uh, and what really drove the purse was the fact that um, right up here in Racine, Wisconsin, Johnson Wax came to a press conference in 1966 wanting to know what the series was and how could they sponsor a race car. And Jim Kaiser basically said, wait a minute, how about we do something different and sponsor a series? So that that Johnson Wax money is what exploded the Can-Am. And sure. they, were, they were series sponsors through 71. Yeah, and it, it was a fascinating series uh, with not only the the drivers that were in it but and then it's the cars as you mentioned uh the mclaren but even prior to that like that the the lola t70 coupes which were just beautiful cars and it seems like all the stars were in place uh for that series it was a it was a, the the 60s you had a lot of money in racing at that time a lot of just i want to say dis, but i guess disposable advertising income a lot more than you have today it seems like and it, it just all, all as, uh, as as all the excesses were able to kind of come together for that, wasn't it? It it certainly was it was perfect timing, no doubt about it. Um, that first race in 1967, I mean, one of the memories that I have is uh, you could always tell the chaparral coming into turn five because you saw the top of the wing show mm-hmm. up in your viewfinder before you saw the whole car, you know, and then. The fact that that wing tilted down when he got to the corner, and then when he accelerated out of the corner, it flattened out. That was the coolest thing ever. So I had to have a slot car like that. Yeah, the the technology also because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were telling Roger Penske and Porsche, turbocharging doesn't work in, in, in road racing because of the leg. Hey, hey, Steve, that sounds like it's a small block Chevy and a Lola <laughs> T70 uh, coupe out there, you know? Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, Roger Penske, uh, what an amazing guy, you know? I mean, uh, certainly I, I started following racing pretty much when his driving career was over, and the thing that amazed me was his cars were so perfect and mm-hmm. clean, and the first car that graphics really meant something, you right. know? And, the fact that he was iconic with the Sunoco blue and the yellow lettering and the signature number six, and then when he ran a second car, you know, 16, you know, it was just, it was very, very cool stuff, you know. It certainly was. Well, Larry, we certainly uh, thank you for taking time out talking to Larry Fullhurst, one of the, I, I, I'll, I'll call him, I might embarrass him, but one of the authorities, I think, in Can-Am history. And uh, Road America, that it certainly comes alive, doesn't it? I, it's it's a way to turn back the clock and feel young again to see Can-Am cars going in the turn five. It, it, it certainly is, and usually the weather's perfect in that. And so looking forward, make sure all the fans, uh, if you get a chance, come out to the uh, Brian Redman uh, Invitational uh, in July uh, next weekend, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, the Can-Am cars are just that, that, that reason itself. And, and come out Friday night. For the race car concourse where they drive the cars from the track into downtown Elkhart Lake. It's like the coolest small town parade you'll ever see. The whole town lines up the street to see these cars come into town. You know, It is it is really cool. In fact, I should probably post, I'll, I'll post a video of that 
Uh, I made a couple of videos of the cars coming into town last couple of years, and I'll post it. It is, uh, it gets bigger every year, and it is, it's really cool to see. You don't know if it's going to be a McLaren or uh, uh, an IROC race car. Or, or a Porsche you, Speedster. A Porsche Speedster, <laughs> you name it. It is such an eclectic mix of cars that come into downtown Elkhart Lake that, uh, on Friday night. It's really neat. I'm looking forward to it, Steve, and it was fun talking. All right, thanks for spending time with us, Larry, and looking forward to going up the road America next weekend. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.